Welcome back, everyone. This is the SaaS Ramp Podcast, and I'm your host, Podcast Pete. Awesome guest with me today, colleague right now at Postman. This is Smith Patel, Head of Partnerships at Postman. Welcome to the show, Schmidt. Hey, thanks for having me, Pete. Excited. Dude, I'm, I'm glad you came on. It's kind of like Partnerships Week here, as it, as it actually turns out. And it's, it's been a, it's been a fun go, mostly leaning on like colleagues and just wanting to understand what partnerships means for each place. But before we go dive in deep on all the partnerships related, love to know more about you. You are head of partnerships at Postman. So a lot of people would love to be in your chair right now. How'd you get here? What's the personal and professional growth path? Yeah, that's a good question. So. I, you know, it's a very interesting story. I actually, I don't know if you remember, I shared this at one of our company kickoffs. I think yep. it's very relevant to share here as well, because you never know, you know, when your personal and professional, you know, paths converge together, right? So back when I was, you know, starting up my career and I was actually in college, I had a blog. I still have a blog, smithpatel.com. And I was working at interesting companies at that point, like HubSpot and you know, companies in the Bay Area. And, you know, I would write about my learnings and shared with the world. So, you know, folks who were in my shoes could also learn. And, you know, one of my blog readers from India, actually, his name is Sudhi. I will give him a shout out here. He actually ended up reaching out to me and, you know, we got on a call and we ended up just chatting and, you know, I shared my learnings with him and, you know, he was obviously super grateful to have you know, that call with me and we stayed in touch, became friends. And then next thing you know, he moved to the Bay Area. He he also had a phenomenal run with this professional journey. And then uh, one day we were just catching up after uh, my last job that I had at Datadog, where I was there for about four years. And, you know, we were just chatting, hey, what do you you think you're doing next? And uh, he said, hey, you should talk to this company called Postman. And Mm -hmm. I know the CEO, Abhinav, you know, they are just, you know, doing amazing. And I think that's like the next data doc. So you should go talk to them. So that's how I got introduced to Abhinav. And, you know, I will say this, this is something that I, you know, I'm a big proponent of is, you know, you, you can get the introduction, but you still have to, you know, figure out how you get your, you know, foot in the door. So when I spoke with Abhinav, you know, both of us got along really well, but there was no open role for me at that time. So I was very impressed with Abhinav. I, you know, I thought this is, this is the leader that I want to work for next. And this is the company that has the signs of becoming the next big thing. So what I did is I actually created a role for myself, right? I pitched a chief of staff role to Abhinav and I said, Hey, look, I have all this go-to-market experience that I can help you with that, you know, I think you, you could use based on what you've shared with me about the company so far. And I actually made a whole presentation that he wasn't expecting. I just showed up, right? There's this famous saying, I show up bearing gifts. So I just showed up and I told him, this is all the areas I can help you with. And that's how I ended up being at Postman. And then obviously, you know, at my previous company at Datadog, I was the first partnerships hire. So I helped shape the partner strategy. So I always had the partnership experience when needed. And, you know, organically, you know, over the last three years, I worked on several different initiatives for, for the company and for our CEO, and then ended up becoming the head of partnerships because the timing was right to actually start a partner program. And as we started to grow as a company, and so it was just a natural fit. That's very cool. All the way back to like the, so I guess it was the one, two punch of like having something interesting going on because you were at HubSpot again, you know, Datadog, these are good places to be. This is not like 
I mean, I don't know. You weren't doing a, a an hourly wage job somewhere, like just trying to make the, the thing swing after college. Like these are good places to be. So you're in a good location. But the sharing piece, like you took time out of like what would otherwise be a busy day or busy social calendar afterwards, even if it wasn't a busy day, you know, when you're younger and then, you know, shared it out to the world and somebody kind of picked it up and like you got that little snowball effect out of it. Is that something you recommend to, to others like who are at any, I don't know, early in the career, any point in the career? Like you have a, you have a thought process around that? Yeah, I think anyone should be sharing, right? Because ultimately, you know, I think there's always someone out there who could, you could read or, you know, hear a, a podcast like this one and get value out of it. You know, I like to think that even if you can impact one person, that still is adding value to someone in the world. So, you know, there's no age, you know, there's no time for it. Candidly, I could be doing a lot more than I used to before, but, you know, we, as you know, we're at a very high growth company right now. And, you know, there's only limited time in the day to, you know, to carve out time for writing and, and podcasting, but I try to do the best I can. And I think, yeah, it, everyone should be doing it because, you know, that's also a great way for you to network as well, right? Because as I said, like someone might read your blog or might, you know, listen to your podcast and reach out to you and who knows what it could turn into, you know, you, and I'm a big fan of connecting the dots because it's never a straight line ever, right? As I said earlier, like how I ended up becoming a head of partnerships at Postman, it wasn't like a straight line. It just, you know, it's a, it's a dotted journey. So that's, yeah, totally interesting. I, I do find that it helps me like consolidate my ideas and my thoughts from like the work day. If in the early mornings or the later evenings or the weekends or whatever it is, like there's a podcast and like somebody's sharing something and it's like putting it together in my head because you're hearing from other organizations doing similar things or trying to. And like, it, I, I do find it helpful in that way. When you came to Abhinav, and I, I don't know if we said Abhinav, co-founder, CEO of Postman. So like, just so anybody listening, it's like, not like, you know, listening to a private story here. You, you came like bearing gifts. So whenever I tell people that I'm close with, I'm like, Hey, I have this idea. Yeah. We're doing like this, like this. And uh, they're like, Oh, you shouldn't tell anybody that, you know, like, that's like, Oh, I'm like, look, it's, it's not, it's like, it might be like proprietary in a way, like the way you do something or handle something, but I don't ever feel like it's like, I don't feel like the hard part is in doing it, operationalizing the idea in, in any of these cases anyway. So any thoughts around just going in and saying like, hey, Abhinav, like, here's all this gold I think I have. Like, you can take it. I, I, all, I would love this chief of staff job. Like, I'm being creative here and trying to add value to you. But like any general thoughts on that? And you just try to give away the farm or do you try to hold something back just so that, you know, you, you have something in your clutches? If that question even makes sense, love the name. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, you obviously, when you have these kind of discussions or you're, you know, giving someone an idea or a suggestion, you know, I think most people, you know, don't realize that you also have to execute, <laughs> right? So I could tell yeah. you, hey, Pete, this is how you build a partner program, but you still need to have the skills and you need to have that hustle. And, you know, you need to have that ability to execute, right? I mean, there's a reason why, you know, not every sports player is as successful. I mean, one could argue that most of them work the same way. They train the same way, but they're not all on the same level, right? It, the same applies to any career. So, yeah, I, I'm a fan of not really holding back much. And also, you know, you're not literally getting into the nitty gritty, right? You can say, okay, I, I will launch 
X program, but there's so many, you know, minor sub steps that you have to take in order to launch an initiative or to grow an initiative, which you're not, you know, which you don't know until you've done it. So, you know, it's always much harder than it looks on surface. And that's where, you know, that's where I think that journey comes in when someone looks at someone like, let's say, you know, Hey, Pete, I'm trying to build an enablement team. And they look at your journey. They, the reason why they want to talk to you is because they've seen that you built something from zero to one and you understand what that journey looks like. And um, it's, it's tough. But, you know, I always uh, like to say that there's people who are really good at that zero to one stage and there's people who are really good at that one to scale stage. And very rarely can you, you know, flip the folks around, like very rarely. Oh my gosh. This has nothing to do with any themes we even discussed, but like, Anything more to say on that? And the reason why, for context, for anybody, you know, listening now, listening later, like this postman journey has gone. Let's tell them about the postman journey. Will you unpack the postman journey? And then maybe you can say how many phases of growth have you been a part of here as you could even like mentally break it down? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one to really, you know, sum it up, right? But I've been here for three years and, you know, we've doubled year over year, basically. And we, today we are at 20 million developers using the platform, half a million companies in the world using it in some shape or form. And, you know, when I arrived here, you know, we obviously a lot of adoption from developers, but since then we've also, you know, established an enterprise adoption. We've, you know, established an enterprise motion, which is starting to see a lot of success. And, you know, we are a full-blown API platform today. When I arrived, you know, most people would really see Postman as a REST client more or less. And now it's become a full-blown API platform that people can use to, you know, do various parts of the API lifecycle. So, you know, I think just looking at from the founder's perspective, you know, the story that all of us have heard, it started as a Chrome extension and then going from a Chrome extension to now becoming a unicorn. I mean, the journey is incredible. And I've, you know, I've personally met folks here and even at my last company and even at companies like HubSpot, you know, who've been part of that journey early on and who were, you know, brought on later during the scale phase. And it requires a very different mindset, right? Because when you're starting something in that zero to one phase, you basically have to be very, very resourceful and you need to have solid decision-making of, okay, where am I going to prioritize my and you don't, and you don't know how to do that unless you've done it before. It's not something that you can just teach someone. You have to go through that journey because there is, you know, let's say today we have six, 700 employees. Imagine having hundred and, you know, still needing to execute. And so you really need to know where you need to invest your time, your energy, and, you know, what will ultimately move the needle. You can have a lot of ideas, you know, this, there's this really funny saying, right? Like strategy, I'm sorry, execution eats strategy for breakfast, right? Something yeah. Like that. yeah. So that, you know, that's the truth. You can have a lot of planning, 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 but if you don't execute, then the company doesn't succeed. And, you know, you don't hit your goals, maybe your fundraising goals, you don't hit your next goals that can ultimately lead you to an exit and, and, you know, so on. So yeah, it's definitely a very different mindset. Okay. So it really interesting. And like, I don't know how many we've been through here. So it's, it's coming up on two years for me, three years for yourself. So in that doubling year over year, like, I don't know if it's every six months, 
every year. Like, like it'd be easier to put into an infographic if it was every year, like just keep it at that. So like you have like this scaling the zero to one, you mentioned being resourceful, prioritizing. Maybe there's like a phase where you're trying to reach some form of like maturity on the one, like pulling together the loose ends from all the, all the messiness of just launching something. And then just the sheer scale afterwards. Cause we're talking like doubling revenue, doubling headcount, the product, those product updates were coming weekly when I first got here, they were just flying out weekly. And so now there's a nice consolidated version 10 V10 launch, you know, initiating in a few weeks. So definitely a different phase we're reaching. So interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it, you know, I think based on that example, right. You also see, you know, more focus as well as you grow, right. Because you don't also, when you have a lot more team members, you have a lot more teams. You also want to always consistently share what the focus is. So, you know, our focus is, uh, Hey, we want to be an API platform. We want to establish this API first world. And, you know, as you, you know, the, the speed, right. We also, in our all hands always share the metrics that are really important for us as a business, right. And those metrics help all of us align on the same page. You know, you could argue that, yeah, you, you know, we can measure a lot of different metrics, but if everyone was looking at different metrics, then we wouldn't know what's the singular mission, right? So even, you know, things, something as, as small as, hey, what's, you know, what's the monthly active user count, right? Or a weekly active user count, things like that. Because as a product-led business, if we don't measure those things, then it's not going to lead to revenue because, you know, our product needs to be solid in order to get that revenue. Yeah, I love it. You said a couple of things. It's like, it's like execution each strategy for breakfast. Going back to that one. That's just, I love that one. If you asked anybody at the companies I've been at, it's like, it's like, they're like, we don't have the perfect idea yet. I'm like, I'm going to take the last idea that was, that y'all thought was dumb and I'm going to go do it. And like, can we talk in 90 days and tell me where you're at? I'll show you where. And like, that's my thing. I'm like, just like, it, it was more of a business development thing way back. It's like, I'm just going to hit the phone. Yeah. Like, we'll see. Yeah, you just, you have to get, you know, I, and that is a incredible, incredible challenge for a lot of folks is just getting in that mindset of, okay, let me just go and do it, right? Anytime you're starting anything, it could be building a product, it could be building partner program, could be building an enablement program. I think a lot of times people don't realize the easiest thing you can do is actually go and do things. So you collect the data points of what's working and what's not working. Like, yeah, if you sit, if you sit in a, you know, in your corner and you're just going to strategize all day, but you, you don't, you don't know if that's going to work or not. It could, maybe it, it will, but there's also a high chance it won't. So, you know, how do you de-risk yourself is by actually going out and executing and starting to get those early data points. You know, if you're, you know, as you said, like if you're a business development person, how are you going to know if your product is you know, is good or if your pitch is good or if your messaging is good, if you don't go on the, you know, phone calls and test it out in the field, or if yeah. you, you know, if you are building a product, if you don't talk to customers or users, how do you know what, what's the next thing we should be building? You can't, you know, you can't have your grand vision and say, this is where, you know, we, uh, we should be going if that doesn't meet the expectations of the customers. Cause then, you know, you have a product that you love, but the customers don't love. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic point. It's like one of my favorite things. So that's why the, the foray to the side, I like that it's, it's the software model a little bit. It's just like, it's like every time we get a little, we get a little product update that is actually telling you like, we released it before it was ready. 
and it's a product update. We're like, oh, we got a product update. Yay. But what it really is, is like them fixing whatever was broken when they told you to go ahead and spend your $1,400 on the phone with the software. So like, I'm kind of like, I'm just a fan of it. I think it's, I think it's really cool. It's a good, good point bringing that up. And then the other one, and I'll just mention this because sometimes like these are things like little quotable bites and it's just like share the focus, share the the priority metrics. So like just on the summary of that, just coming back into like we, we do have a regular all hands call. We push these things out. What Schmidt's talking about is, is Postman does a great job of like making sure we know at all times, like what is the North Star we're headed towards because it changes because we grow so quickly. And then they do a great job of, of sharing. I will have to admit to you that I do excitedly wait for our CFO Yatten to step up there because I like to see his graphs that he shows us. They're, uh, they're simple and they're pretty and they seem to go at a 45 degree angle at all times. So it's not always the case. So that's, we're happy about that. Okay. So let's, let's move into some partnership realm. This term, like I feel for you on this one, like this term is like enablement. Like it just means so many different things. So as far as a title goes, we're only in a vague ballpark by the time you say it. So head of, you're leading it to partnerships. You might involve somebody outside of the Postman organization itself. And that's literally all we know at this point. So would you unpack for us like what partnerships is and then what it is at Postman? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, you know, as you rightly said, it's a, it's a loose term because there's so many different flavors of partnerships. So, you know, you have your traditional models like a reseller partnership or a referral partnership or affiliate partnership. Typically, you know, we call them channel partnerships and then your, you know, more old school terms like OEMs and things like that. But then, you know, as you're looking at companies like Postman and, and Datadog and Atlassian, right, more modern software companies, partnerships typically is focused on product. So, you know, anything that can make the product and the user experience better, that's what the focus is for us here at Postman and, and my team is, you know, we want to focus on a couple of things. One is integrating with tools that are in the developer ecosystem that will help, you know, our joint users get better user experience. And obviously their goal is to ultimately lead to better adoption and retention. And, you know, as a product-led growth company, your core, your core, you know, focus is to make sure the product is good because the revenue is the byproduct of a good user experience and product experience. So for us here, we, uh, I have a couple of teams under uh, my org. First team is the ecosystem partner team that's focused on integrations in the space with developer tools. And then the second team is focused on our API network. So we have, you know, as you know, it's a marketplace of APIs where, you know, it's the world's largest collection of public APIs. So the team is focused on recruiting and onboarding partners. So any company that has a public API, say a DoorDash or a Pinterest, anyone who has an API can join. And that's what the second team supports. So overall, you know, our mission is to make it really easy for anyone in the world to build APIs and consume APIs. So the integration ecosystem squad helps folks um, to build integrations that will help make the API platform better. And then the API network team helps other API providers get visibility to, to our users. Nice. Okay. That's well said. That's like simply put, and it's a good differentiator between like a lot of the partnership just colleagues that I have you know, when you ask what they do and, and how that seems to work and things like that. Helpful. Like, is there a, so if we called it like channel, would there be like a, is it 
technology, like technology partnership? Like, is there any over like broad term that you would give it or is what? Right. Yeah. I, I would say yeah, technology partnership, technology alliances, you know, ISV partnerships. Yeah. Th those would probably fall into this category. Okay. Makes sense. And I was so rude that the slack is just railing off. If anybody, if everybody is watching this and heard that little knock brush, it wasn't yours. It was mine. No, I, I didn't hear anything. Oh, that's right. We're coming through the mic. Hey, good podcast moment. There we go. It is Sash Ramp after all. So like if they hear Slack, they're like, ah, I just didn't want to give it a hey, hey, if, if the Slack wasn't going going on, that means you're not in a hyperglose company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you spin up a Slack channel for that, it'll be fine. Just say hello in this Slack channel here. Okay. Why don't we just touch briefly on like, is there like maybe I don't I almost don't want to ask this too. Is, is it like a whole nother rabbit hole? So it will be brief, but like challenge with hypergrowth as it relates to your role at, at Postman, like what maybe just, just one thing, if you can think of it, like a major challenge, say in the last six months with hypergrowth in general, could be any realm you want. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is people, right? Hiring really amazing folks as you are growing but also want to have a high caliber and a high bar for hiring because, you know, as you can imagine, it's a catch 22 situation because you also want to hire, you know, a lot of people or you want to hire quickly, but then you also want to have quality folks who understand your vision. You understand the company's vision and can execute at the same pace, right? Going back to our conversation earlier, it's very, it's very different when you execute at a company that's in a hyper growth stage versus at a large company. I've seen it consistently where, you know, folks come from larger companies. Obviously, you know, this is not any fault of theirs. It, you know, they are used to a certain culture. And when they come to a hyper growth company, the, you know, obviously the expectations are very different because you're executing very fast, very rapidly because you want to have an iterative process, right? As a company, our culture has always been, hey, we test out something, we see how it's working, we iterate on it really quickly, and then we scale. Right. Because that allows us to put the resources in the right place. We can't just go, you know, all out from, you know, guns blazing from day one. We have to be very cautious and, you know, very pragmatic where we invest our time. So uh, that mindset is very hard to fight when it comes to hiring. And, you know, obviously, as we knew, you know, last couple of years ha had been some of the most, uh, you know, toughest times when it came to hiring. Yeah. Yes. The marketplace. Yeah, like being what it was and trying to get good people for, for everybody. Yeah, they called it the great resignation, but it felt like just kind of a reshuffle. Like they didn't right. quit, quit. They just moved yep. around. So a lot of hiring, a lot of onboarding, big spike, big inflation. So you're having those those kind of salaries and FTEs that you're having to think about. So do you have any any tips on this point? This is a little off 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 grid as well. But when you bring somebody in from a larger corporation like like I'm thinking of like Tableau, for example, because it's great technology organization, but they've definitely made it even acquired by Salesforce, like somebody who's coming in from that environment at this point, and they're so into Postman, they know about it. They know API lifecycle management platform, like they're a fan, they fit every piece of criteria. What do you, in the first 30 days when they start blinking and being like, Hey, can I have this resource, this resource, this resource, when they're asking for things that are not yet developed, have any like practical tips for other leadership on like how to handle these things in a hyper growth org? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's always tricky, right? So one thing, one thing, you know, 
I would say, you know, just kind of helps me level set a lot of times when, when our folks and, you know, their onboarding is really focusing on getting that first small win because that gets them in that mindset of execution and, and it indirectly helps them understand that this is the culture that you, you are going to be part of. You have to deliver, you have to focus on outcomes. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not expecting you to go and deliver, you know, the most amazing thing or the, you know, biggest thing that's going to move the needle in the first 30 days, but it has to be something that you deliver so that you get, you know, you get your first taste of a win of an outcome. And, you know, I always like to, always like to think that, you know, the best motivation is winning. Like if you're winning, you want to win more. Uh, but if you're not winning, then, you know, that's how folks become demotivated. So I always try to encourage folks to like, Hey, and, you know, as a leader, I'm always encouraging of letting the, you know, person propose things and, you know, coming up with a plan of their own. So I always will put it on them that, Hey, just figure out what's the first thing you want to tackle in your first 30 days that you will execute on as the first one and let them decide what it is. And that also forces them to think, right? Cause first you're, you're putting the seed in their head that, hey, I better start delivering because that's how the company operates. And two, you have to get creative. You you kind of really get in that mindset of, okay, what's my top priorities? Because I've seen yeah. folks do it really well where they you know quickly understand, okay, well, if I have to deliver something in the first 30 days, doesn't matter how big or small, then this should be my priorities, right? For the next 30 days. Yeah. Um, so it helps them basically, you know, self-manage. I, I do really like that. I like the, the, the two pieces of it. One is like the, the time to, cause we call it enablement time to job done because the job done varies from team to team yeah. to team. But like, what can we do to get you to that first, like MVP, like the, the minimally viable product yep. of your job actually, so that you can just turn around and scale it again, like software iterative process. And then the other thing is the, the little bit of a self-selection. Cause like when you hire like smart people that are in this particular niche that you're probably trying to work out, like it's really helpful to have them like, well, here's the challenge. Like, how would you solve that? Like interesting, interesting dynamic there. And maybe like a little bit of training on like, this is probably how this is going to work. Like there might not be a mandate that you're here to scale yet. You might be creating the, the process yourself. So like actually giving them that in, in opening days, those are those are two excellent tips, I find. The only thing I have is basically like when they bring it up, I'm like, that's an excellent question. Do you think you could create that? Because like when they'll have because, you know, there's these different departments that we may or may not have at the time. And it was like, is it in your skill set to actually pull that together as well? Not to overburden you, but like, is that your first project or is that what you're kind of telling me? Just unpack it a little bit when we're asking for the various resources. And so we can get down to, to the bottom line of like what what can we control versus what should we be asking for or building over the course of time? Super cool tips there. Okay. Let's save it on vision for scaling. Let me move over here. Let me like ask you just to see if like, what would be a favorite leadership moment then leading a team for, for a, a period of time at this point, there's highs and lows to it. Like you've already mentioned some hiring type things. So what, what would be a favorite maybe in the last three years at Postman? Yeah, it, it has to do with people again, right? It is the, the best moments are when you're, you, you're able to hire solid folks, you know, A players who are passionate about what they're doing. And then also as a leader, being able to, you know, marry that with the right opportunities for them, you know, whether it's through a promotion or the right initiative, you know, I always try to, you know, I'm, I always try to be ahead. You know, I always, I'm like six to eight months ahead 
before I even know what that person's doing or wants to do it in the next six to eight months, I always try to have those conversations and an open dialogue. So, you know, they don't, they already know what they're going to work towards in the next promotion cycle or, you know, what their next role is going to be. In a lot of cases, you know, there's no surprises when let's say their one year mark comes up or their mid-year comes up, they already know how they're doing. So as a leader, I think that's the best is when you're able to hire really good folks retain them as well, right? Because you have to, you know, as I mentioned in the last couple of years, it was, you know, there was this great reshuffle going around. So how do you retain people? You you retain people by obviously providing a good, you know, team culture and, you know, providing them with, you know, solid company to work for, but also giving them the right opportunities and initiatives, right? Because I always tell, you know, everyone on the team that you can go work anywhere, right? I mean, all of you are incredibly talented, but the reason why you're here is because, you know, you're working on something that you're enjoying and, or something you're passionate about. And, you know, the best people, they enjoy solving a problem, right? They could go work at a nine to five anywhere, but they, if you give them a, you know, big, hairy problem that motivates them, that's, you know, that's what really unlocks their, you know, creative juices that really unlocks, you know, their motivation to continue working and, you know, to deliver you know, and that's, and that's as a leader, that that's the best thing, because I always like to think that as a leader, my job is to hire really amazing people, trust them, give them a little bit of guidance, but get out of their way. The only, you know, your job as a leader is to unblock them when they are stuck in, on that path. Is there any particular time where like that outcome has like happened from one of your folks and you're just like, oh, and you're like, oh, I get like, like you got some fruition, like it, like something came about from like the end of a long cycle of, of of projects or anything like any particular person get onboarded to the API network or something through one of your people. And you're like, like, did you have a proud dad moment or anything? Yeah. I mean, I have it all the time because, you know, the way that I, the way that I, you know, manage the team is I give them a lot of ownership. So, you know, I, you know, will you sit down, we'll figure out whatever roadmap is for the quarter or for the year. Uh, but then, you know, I also give them a lot of room to come up with their own plan. So let's say, you know, even for the API network, when we started it, yeah, we had the goal that, hey, we want to build a program that would allow, you know, allow us to recruit interesting companies on the API network. But, you know, that was the goal. But then I let the team propose what the plan is. I had some bare bones, but I don't, you know, I don't give the ideas from day one, I let them sort of come up with a plan. And then I marry that with what they have in mind. So they have ownership. They feel like, yes, I created this. And then I'll, you know, and a lot of times they will surprise you as well, right? Because they could already be thinking what you're thinking or something even better. So that's, you know, that's the best part, right? Is when you have, when people feel like, yes, I have ownership of this project or this program or this initiative, they will do an amazing job of just coming up with, you know, the full plan. And you know, you basically have to say, yeah, the, yeah, this looks good. Or, you know, this is where I would change a few things and, you know, let's go execute and let me know how I can help. And that's how it is. That's really the secret. Okay, cool. Like the solid entrepreneurship at that point. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of that because you at a company like Postman or any hyper growth company, you cannot, you cannot have the model of, you know, being told every little thing that you're doing, right? I, I <laughs> we all this, I mentioned the team about Jira, right? As an example, like if you're just talking about, you know, I solved X amount of Jira tickets today, or I, you know, I did X amount of, you know, task management tasks, that's, you know, that's not really, you know, going to motivate anyone, right? It doesn't matter. Like we shouldn't be talking about that. We should be talking about, 
what was the outcome that you drove? So I, you know, I don't care about your process. I don't care about, you know, you know, how you're going about it as long as the outcome is the focus, right? Because everyone has a million different ways to go towards the same dirt. I'm just picturing a bunch of people coming into your org and being like, okay, Schmidt, so I have this idea here and like pitching you a PowerPoint. And then at the end, they're like, I would like to be your chief of staff. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like you like, like <laughs> coming full circle and stuff. It's basically what you're looking for. Same thing as Ivanov was looking for whenever you spoke to him. Yeah, well, you, you, know, you never know. It's, you know, folks always pitch ideas and, you know, I think it's, it's our job as leaders to encourage them. Sometimes you, you know, you have to, you know, push back a little bit in the sense that you have to kind of, you know, because you, you have to tell, hey, you know, just let's, let's wait for this one. Let's, we can do this the next quarter because there's always amazing ideas, but it's never, you know, I always, it's a good problem to have, you know, I always, when the team has a lot of ideas or they have a lot of amazing things going on, right? Those are Ferrari problems, right? You want those problems. You don't want, you know, you don't want to have a team where, you know, you're worried about things happening. You want a team that's just, you know, going above and beyond and firing on all engines. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I like that term Ferrari problems as well. Okay. Then let's, let's finish it on this one. Cause I mean, cause I'm skipping stuff too, but we took like fun rabbit holes. I can't help it. This is for me really like this. I, I get to do what I want. This is my conversation. Like, so I got to take, take you down some of these other ones to get these great insights. This one's a little bit more personal, but it would help other people in their careers. And so like, let's kind of like loop it all the way back 10 years ago, like knowing what you know today. Like, what would you have told yourself, like personally, professionally, whatever, 10 years ago to calm your nerves, to accelerate your growth and progress, like anything it happens to be, whatever comes to mind? Yeah, I would say just identify what you're really good at early on, having self-awareness because, you know, it's, I, and I had those moments relatively early, but I, I feel if I had it even earlier, I would have probably saved a couple of years maybe you know, of doing roles that were actually more aligned with what I'm doing right now, as an example. So, you know, I learned that every you know opportunity I had and every role I had, but I think the earlier you can figure that out, it's really important because then, you know, by the time you're, you know, let's say you're 80 years, 10 years into your career, you're going to be, you know, the best at it, right? I, I'm, I don't like doing something if I'm not going to be amazing or the best at it. So, if you know, like, what's your, you know, and there's no such thing, in my opinion, that, I, you know, as passion, you know, I think it's, there is a thing that, okay, I enjoy doing this. You, you enjoy doing something and that's what you want to figure out. Like I enjoy doing, you know, partnerships or I enjoy, you know, building software or, you know, I enjoy doing enablement. If you figure out what you enjoy doing, the passion comes later, right? Because I, I had moments where I figured out, okay, I enjoy doing, you know, partnerships or business development or go to market. And then the passion came when you start winning, when you start doing really amazing things and, you know, you start getting big, big wins under your belt, then it really, you know, you get excited about like tomorrow or your next opportunity. So that's, that would be my advice. Okay. Yeah. Like grab something at least, at least where there's curiosity. And then take that yeah. energy, take you on to some wins, some victories. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, you, you don't know where you're going to go, right? I mean, if you asked me 10 years ago, I wouldn't, I would remotely not be able to tell you that I would be in the role I'm at, at Postman or, you know, in the position I'm in, right? Because you don't know what 10 years from now looks like. And just, I would say the second piece of that would also be 
you know, you don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. I, you know, I used to, when I was early in my career, I, I had heard this advice from others, right? Is, you know, write down your goals, like, you know, figure out where you want to go, you know, three years, five years, 10 years from now. I, I tried that. And the reality is I actually ended up becoming in much better positions and they were completely different than what I would have imagined. Because if you just do your current role and your current you know, job really, really well, and you keep, you know, going at it, you will be in much better positions than you can even imagine. Like people have a lot more potential than they realize a lot of times. I like that. Okay. Very, very cool. All right. One more place then with this one, because it's like, it's like what you are good at. So some people are, some people are big on like, what's your, what is your weakness? Can we, can we improve that a little bit and stuff like that? It sounds like you're just like, Hey, what's your, where, what are you good at? Can you triple down on it? Is that more of the approach that, that you would kind of like pitch to yourself 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, and just be okay with the fact that, yes, you know, this is my strength. A lot of times when you're starting out, there's also, also like, hey, you should go learn this. You should go learn this. You should go learn this. But I, I do like the concept of being T-shaped, right? Where you, you have your one specific vertical that you're really, really good at. And then, you know, you have things that you, you have a little bit of expertise in. So like, as an example, I, I mean, you know, I live and breathe partnerships and product led growth and SaaS all day. Like that's my expertise or developer tools. But then I also have other like skill sets that I have learned over a period of time because they are helpful to any career, like say copywriting, you know, which I learned because I was at HubSpot, you know, writing helps you in any career, you know, communication helps you in any career. So Things like that, you should still continue working on. Nice. Okay. And they, it's like cool because they can kind of relate in, like you can have like something to put them against at that point. Like you might write copy for something that has to do with like a partnership initiative. There's like, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I don't have to rely a lot on, you know, on let's say marketing or our editorial team. Of course, I, you know, send them the final drafts, but a lot of times because I, you know, I had built those skill sets, I will write the first draft or I will write that email or a copy. And, you know, I'm pretty confident that this looks good enough that I, you know, that it just needs one edit, let's say from the editorial team. But if I didn't have those skills, then, you know, you're adding more complexity and more rounds of iterations and whatnot. More Jira tickets. Yeah. Smith, I've totally enjoyed it. Really, really a pleasure. I don't think we've really gotten to do this since, since like almost like my second week on the job or something when I, you know, like pinged you like, Hey, let's chat, let's see what's going on or something. And then, uh, of course, from the, from the presentations from time to time, which are always well done. So back in April in La Jolla, I got to see that presentation you gave, but anyway, big, big thanks. Appreciate you participating and being on and, uh, man, let's go see if we can cross into uh, some crazy more doubles in ARR and headcount here at Postman. Yeah. I'm excited. Always amazing to work with folks like yourself and yeah, looking forward to sharing this journey more and more. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Talk soon. Yeah, thank you.